Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Levin, our numbers 877-381-3811, Biden signed more executive orders today, and then he lies that he's just undoing bad decisions and bad policies by the prior administration. And the media simply are not going to question this man, and it looks like they're not even going to have an opportunity to question this man. I want to get into this. We're also going to get into the uh, response to the attacks on the former president of the United States by his excellent lawyers, by the way. And we want to address that because the media will lie about this too. What the Democrats plan to do is run a bunch of film of the, the siege of that building on the day it occurred and then lay it at Trump's feet. Because this is what they do. They're extremely good at lying and propaganda. And I have the response of the lawyers right in front of me. And we'll get to that in a moment. And by the way, these so-called legal experts and analysts who are not legal experts are really so frustrating to me. You have no idea. And they keep dragging out the same one or two, even our friendlies. And they don't know what the hell they're talking about. But that's all right. First, Joe Biden and his rule by executive order. It's an excellent piece of PJ Media by Stacey Lennox today. And Stacey Lennox takes a close look at what Biden is doing. Because I don't think many in this country have any idea what's going on because... The executive orders are not really being reported on in any substantive way, certainly not by most of the media. Biden has signed more than half the number of executive orders 
most modern presidents average in a total full year. And he's done it in just nine days. And when you add the additional ones he did today, he has signed 45 executive actions, including 27 executive orders. Think about that. Now, in a full year, Trump signed 55, Obama 35, Bush 43 signed 36, Clinton 46, Bush 41 signed 42, and Reagan 48. So already, Biden is at 27 executive orders and 45 executive actions, including those orders. Some of the remaining 18 executive actions have far-reaching consequences that rival an executive order. He rejoined the Paris Climate Accords, effectively entering a treaty without Senate approval, just like his old boss did, Obama, when it came to Iran. And it'll have a devastating effect on the energy industry, as well as the industrial base. He also reinstituted, I want you to listen to this, I warned about this over and over and over again, as did Donald Trump, the affirmatively furthering fair housing rule, a federal power grab to remake the American suburbs by mandating zoning and other actions to diversify communities, something a majority of Americans disapprove of. He has now reinstituted it, and as Stanley Kurtz said on this show and on my Sunday Fox show, the Biden proposal even goes way further than the Obama proposal. What you're seeing now is Biden and his administration is the most radical administration in American history. In just two weeks' time, it's obvious. It's obvious. Now, you might say with all the votes he got, this must be extremely popular with likely voters, right? Not according to Rasmussen, a polling firm that has conducted the daily presidential tracking poll since Gallup stopped doing it when Obama was elected. The pollster has used a consistent methodology since 2008 and polls likely voters who have demonstrated they participate in elections. As of day seven, how is Biden doing? Poorly. The result is astonishing. Biden, I'm looking now, disapproval at 46% approval at 49%. Strongly disapprove, 38%. Strongly approve, 33%. Biden has not been above water a single time in the approval index rating here early in his presidency when presidents do the best. This index is the difference between how many likely voters strongly approve and how many strongly disapprove. Total approval has hit 50% so once so far, how does he compare with President Trump's first seven days? Well, in President Trump's first seven days, the result is astonishing when you think about it. Biden has the full weight of nearly every corporate media outlet, tech company, and cultural institution behind him. They've been drooling all over themselves to convince us this is a return to unifying normalcy. After all, his favorite ice cream is chocolate chip, and his two German shepherds just love their new digs. So normal, so unifying. 
And yet President Trump had the specter of Russia collusion hanging over his head. Democrats already talking about impeachment and all the rest of it. The day before Biden's inauguration, Trump's approval index was the same as Biden's yesterday. Trump's 55 executive orders in his first year drastically reduced government interference in people's lives and the economy. His administration committed that for every order that promulgated a new rule, they'd rescind at least two. So roughly 17 executive orders per year directed the agency to do something new rather than telling them to stop doing something they'd already been doing. Now you may be old enough to remember Obama's first two years in office with much larger Democratic majorities. The administration shoved through a wildly unpopular bailout and the stimulus bill. Then they rammed Obamacare through. And like Biden, Obama had the full support of our cultural institutions and a fawning media. And despite the unpopular policies, he didn't see his first negative approval rating until June 21. He didn't fall under 50% until July 24th of the same year. Biden's already there. Underwater. Perhaps this is what happens when you relax voting rules to encourage people who don't usually vote to participate. Activists opened up the floodgates, as you well know. Floodgates of drop boxes, mail-in voting, so forth and so on, collecting ballots in some states. Pure political power, that's what they've been exercising. If history is any guide, assuming a mandate you don't have is not a smart move, 2022 will not go well for them. Let's hope so. But Biden's not this incredibly popular president right now. Quite the contrary. He has very poor ratings historically. Despite the fact that the media are the Praetorian Guard that have been pushing very, very hard to advance his radical agenda. Remember, the suburbs, you are now going to be under attack. You were warned by me. You were warned by Stanley Kurtz. You were warned by former President Trump over and over and over again. And no, we're not talking about racism here. We're talking about communities that are extremely diverse. We're talking about a federal government that wants to basically allow the metropolitan areas to devour their suburbs so they can use the tax base, their schools, their transportation systems, tell the suburbs what kind of libraries they're going to have, where they're going to put them, what kind of transportation systems they're going to have. You ain't seen nothing yet. This guy's sitting there, Biden, and saying, I'm just reversing Trump's bad ideas, you know, putting little kids in cages so far, of course, which is what the Obama-Biden administration started, and they built the cages. That said, you will feel the outcome. It's only a matter of time. The radical racism and bigotry that they're promoting the radical immigration and open borders policies are going to affect every corner of this country. Local budgets, police budgets, school budgets, jobs. You ain't seen nothing yet. They say they're concerned about COVID-19 and new strands coming in. Well, they're obviously not testing all the immigrants coming into this country. That question has yet to be put to them, except I think it was put to them by uh, Ducey. And she was going to circle back, Pasaki. I know her name's Saki, but I don't care. Pasaki. All of these decisions have monumental consequences. He's going right down the Biden-Sanders 
manifesto, that 150-page document. They're going right through that manifesto and instituting one after another after another after another of the radical left agenda items without going through Congress, without getting the input through a deliberative process of the American people. Congress exists for you and me, ladies and gentlemen. The government exists for you and me. It's one thing to win an election, but it's another thing to think that you've won an election, therefore you abandon the Constitution and the role that democracy plays in this society. All they keep talking about is how they're going to ram this through and ram that through, how they're going to get around the the normal practices. And all they have is 50 Democrat senators in the Senate. They don't have any mandate. They lost a ton of members in the House. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. They want you to think that what they're doing is normal. It's not a big deal. They're trying to normalize their abuse of power. They're trying to normalize tyranny. They're trying to normalize their radical statism and, in many ways, their neo-Marxism. Why? What's the problem? I'm only reversing, you know, the grave damage that Donald Trump did. What's the problem? Don't you believe in racial equity? What's the problem? We have people on the border. Shouldn't they be treated like human beings? What's the problem? People in the suburbs, there's things that they can do that help out their fellow man. What's the problem? You need skin in the game. We've got to increase taxes. Don't you understand? What's the problem? There's no big deal here. And so they're trying to make normal that which is not normal, whether it's the way they rule or what their objectives are. Their objectives are radical. That's what their manifesto is. It is a radical document. And I spent a great deal of time in the first hour last night, I hope some of you can go back and share that with other people, explaining what this is really all about. Not empowering people, not improving the country, not national security or security of any kind, not fairness or justice. It's all about empowering the Democrat Party. Now look, some obvious examples we've talked about before. If the Democrat Party thought that giving citizenship to 20 million illegal aliens in this country would help the Republicans, do you think they would do it? If the Democrat Party thought 
that allowing more and more people into this country, illegally and legally, to compete with our citizens, who are struggling now to get jobs and keep jobs, if they thought those people eventually becoming citizens would vote two-thirds Republican, do you think they'd let them in the country? Now think about it. Think about it. If, if they thought that their strength was in the suburbs, do you think the Democrats would be trying to carve up the suburbs and, and seize power, local power, and regional power? and nationalize it to the Department of Housing and Urban Development? Do you think they'd be doing that? Of course not. All these programs that are involved in redistributing wealth, you think they'd support those programs if they were redistributing wealth from Democrats to Republicans? Of course not. So everything they're doing is about empowering themselves. Joe Biden has wanted to be president. Okay. Joe Biden has wanted to be president of the United States at a very young age. This was his third try. This is all he cared about. Desperately obsessed with wanting to be president of the United States. Now he's there. Now he wants to be considered the greatest progressive president in history. The greatest left-wing president in history. That's what he wants. It's all about Joe Biden. Or it's all about the Democrat Party. And so now they want to change the levers of government. They want to change the instrumentalities of of power. To take a balance, a relative balance, and create an imbalance that always favors them. That always favors them. That's why he's sitting there signing executive orders. The problem with executive orders... It's not only a violation of separation of powers, which is the core of our system. But you and I have no say in it. There's no process. There's no legislation. There's no ability to contact anybody. He's just sitting there and signing them. And then when you have a a, a lapdog slobbering media, you don't even know exactly what's going on or when he's doing it or what these things mean. We know what they mean because we've been around a while. But I'm talking about out there. If you're not listening to this show as an example, you have no idea what's going on. You're going to work. You're an electrician. You're a truck driver. You're, you're a construction worker. You're, you're working in a restaurant, whatever. You're not paying attention to all these executive orders. That's the point. The public has no role in this. They're not even involved. They're being rammed down our throat one after another after another. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. 
Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. If you want to talk to Mark, we have two numbers for you to call. For regular Americans, call 877-381-3811. For liberals, call 877-381-3811. Now, enough of the propaganda, the lies. The Biden administration has done a lousy job on these vaccines. Lousy. Of course, they're going to try and divert and blame it. Reminds me a lot of Cuomo. Biden has a lot of Cuomo in his head. That's too bad. They take responsibility for nothing. They've done a lousy job. They're falling all over themselves. They can't find the vaccines. They don't know who to give the vaccines to. They're saying that uh, you should give a shot. If you have it, give it out. Don't wait for the second shot. That's all political, by the way. That's not really scientific. And so what I'm saying is, they've done a lousy job. They're incompetent. And they should not be able to deflect it. They need to be held to account. You know, he says, we're going to let the scientists handle it. Well, which scientists exactly? We see Fauci, he's all over the place, doing his usual uh, speaker's tour and self-promotion tour. So who are the other experts handling all this? And how come they're not subjected to questions from reporters at any kind of a press conference? How come Joe Biden's not subjected to questions about the vaccines and the vaccine distribution and the future of this pandemic? Makes you miss Trump a little bit, doesn't it? Where they were trashing the guy every time he got up there trying to explain everything. He had charts, he had visuals, he had graphics, he had all kinds of things. He had his experts standing with him. Whether they liked it or not, they were supporting his positions because he was supporting theirs. But my question is, once again... Where's the accountability? Who do we get to hold responsible? Who can we talk to? Nobody. Nobody. He's the bubble president. The bubble president with the Praetorian Guard media. Man of the people. Man of what people? And this is how he ran for office, and this is how he intends to rule us. Rule over us, I suppose. Jen Pasaki. At the White House press conference today on Biden's latest executive orders on immigration, cut to go. First today, the president is signing three executive orders to rebuild and strengthen our immigration system. First of all, they're not rebuilding anything, and they're certainly not strengthening our immigration system. They are reactionaries. That's what they are. They're reactionaries. So they reacted to all the tremendous progress that was made by the Trump administration in securing the border and creating an organized way for people to come into this country. And now they say they're going to rebuild and strengthen our immigration system. They're propagandists. They lie through their three teeth. That's what they do. No more fact-checking at the Washington Compost. Did you read that, Mr. Producer? They're done with fact-checking. There's no opportunity for a Jim Acosta type, not that there would be one, to question Biden or or Pisaki. None. And more on that in a moment. Go ahead. 
These actions are centered on the basic premise that our country is safer, stronger, and more prosperous with a fair, safe, and orderly immigration system. But that's not what you support. Fair, safe, and orderly. Secure the border. Deport people who are criminals and others who shouldn't be here. You want an orderly immigration system? Trump offered the Democrats. I'll give you DACA. I'll make those... those, uh, they're not kids. I'll make uh, some of them are quite, quite much adults, as a matter of fact. We'll make them citizens, but I want a wall and I want security and I don't want this to happen again. The Democrats said no. They want an endless funnel of future Democrats coming into the country. That's it. That's what they want. And they want you to believe that's reform, it's safer, it's stronger, it makes us more prosperous. Unbelievable. But then you have to ask yourself a question. Why would all these people from Guatemala and Honduras and Ecuador and all these other countries south of the border, Central and South America, why do they want to come here, Mr. Producer? Why do they want to come here? And on one side of Joe Biden's blubbering idiocy of a mouth, he talks about we need racial equity in this country. It's long overdue. The Declaration and the Constitution, well, they're, they're all nice and so forth, but we really haven't haven't done much to implement our principles, have we? And meanwhile, people, mostly people of color, in Central and South America, on the continent of Africa, and Southeast Asia, they desperately want to come to America. I don't get it. If America is a white-privileged, white-dominant, white-supremacist culture, where nobody has a chance... Nobody has a chance who isn't white. Then why the hell do all these people want to come here? And when they come here, why do they want to stay here? And when they stay here, why do they want to become citizens? Again, a a decent reporter would ask that question of the President of the United States or his spokes idiot. But it never happens because they don't want those questions asked and because the reporters aren't going to ask them anyway. So they get to make these little diatribes, these little speeches. Unchallenged. Go ahead. Today's actions do a number of things. The first executive order creates a task force chaired by the Secretary of Homeland Security to reunify families, which will work across government to find parents and children separated by the prior Now, why, why, why are parents and children separated? Not by the prior administration. Okay, li- listen. There are compassionate human beings that worked in the prior administration. The vast majority of people who worked in immigration in the prior administration worked in the Obama-Biden administration. These are civil servants. These are law enforcement personnel. These are social workers. These are doctors and nurses and administrative law judges. They're not separating parents and children because they find that to be exciting. Because they're evil. Because they don't know if those are their parents. They could be kidnappers. They could be coyotes. They could be raping these children. They could have kidnapped them. They could, have, they could sell them. Who knows? And so what the prior administration was trying to do is figure out who the hell they are. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. They were separating them because they believed in an inhumane asylum system or immigration system. These are the lies that come out of the mouth of these neo-Marxists. That's what they do. And they're media frauds. You should just send the kids along, even if you're not sure. 
Of course not. Moreover, they were trying to figure out how to bring them together. And then when you have adult detention centers, you can't put a four-year-old in an adult detention center because they might be molested. And so these are complex questions. These are serious issues. And there she stands, the prior administration's inhumane policy of separation, separating uh, of family members. And we want to reunify them. They want to reunify them, give them a legal status, if not citizenship, and then let them go. That's the plan. So who's separated in the first place? You actually have, and there have been plenty of statistics on this, you actually have some individuals south of the border who send in their children first, without any adults. And that becomes our problem, to try and figure it all out. Now, the media know this. They know this at the New York Slimes and the Washington Compost. They know this at the Constipated News Network. They know this at MSLSD. They know it throughout the media, but they're not going to report the truth. They're not going to do it. Go ahead. The second executive order develops a strategy to address the root causes of, mi- of migration across our borders and creates a human. Wait a minute, I thought they were just reversing Trump policies, Mr. Producer. Isn't that what they said? Doesn't sound like it. I don't know. We've got to figure out the root causes, the root problems. You have to figure out the root causes and the root problems? It's really quite simple. These other cultures and these other societies are corrupt. Most of them have embraced socialism, you know, the kind that's now being promoted by the Democrat Party. So they're poor, they're corrupt, they're crime-ridden. You know, like Minneapolis. And so, when people can leave, they leave. But what Pasaki and Biden and the other brain trusts need to figure out is, why are they trying to come to America? Why would people of color dared to come into this country. And the reason is, ladies and gentlemen, it's because it's a great country. But the Democrats want to have it every way. That we're the worst country on the face of the earth, but we're the most humane country on the face of the earth. They will do anything and say anything for power. They will play groups against each other. They will use the most outrageous propaganda They will tear this country apart. It doesn't matter. They want power. Go ahead. ...system, including directing DHS to take steps to end the Migrant Protection Protocols Program, which had led to a humanitarian crisis in northern Mexico. No, it didn't lead to a humanitarian crisis in northern Mexico. The Mexican government, which is run by a socialist president, by the way, has been extraordinarily helpful to the United States. And you know what? He was very upset to see Donald Trump lose. He was one of the uh, leaders of a country that waited the longest to acknowledge that Biden was in there. And so what's done is the Mexican government used its army to protect its border in order to protect our border. What is wrong with that? I don't understand. You've got fences going all around Capitol building with razor wire at the top, like we're in prison. You've got Thousands and thousands of National Guardsmen, many of them armed, surrounding the Capitol building. They want to be safe. 
right? They want to be able to conduct their business up there. Well, so do the rest of us. So they don't mind fences and walls as long as they're in private communities protecting them, as long as they're surrounding the Capitol building protecting them, fine. But what about the rest of us? Go ahead. Executive order promotes immigrant integration and inclusion. Ah, shut up, you idiot. I'll be right back. Are you worried about America's future? Times of trouble are full of reasons to despair. But those who built and have preserved our country didn't despair. So to do our part, we need to draw on the books, the history, and the ideas that gave our forefathers and mothers strength and inspiration. Hillsdale College was founded in 1844 to teach these very things, and it teaches them still today. We can all study these things, all with Hillsdale College professors right in our homes. Through Hillsdale's free online courses, we can study the history of our civilization, the wisdom of ancient and Judeo-Christian philosophers, and the writings of Shakespeare and Mark Twain. We can reacquaint ourselves with our Constitution. We can learn how the Constitution has been undermined, and more importantly, how it can be recovered. Friends, as we fight in defense of family, faith, and freedom, let us draw on the best of the past with Hillsdale's guidance to save the greatest nation on earth. Begin learning today at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. Well, look at this, ladies and gentlemen. The Congressional Budget Office, which, as you may guess, is an arm of Congress. The U.S. economy will bounce back to its pre-pandemic size by the middle of the year without any emergency stimulus the U.S. Congressional Budget Office projected yesterday. Yet Biden and the Democrats want to spend $1.9 trillion. You know, I'm sure I'm one of the few hosts in America that raised objections to these relief bills. Don't get mad at me. Some of it, okay. But it was one on top of another on top of another, and these Democrat governors were intentionally shutting down these states. It was like heroin to these Democrat governors. As long as they can get federal cash in there, they were going to keep doing it. We talked about this. But the nonpartisan federal agency, this is the uh, New York Post, paints an optimistic forecast following a year-long fight with the coronavirus that has killed Hundreds of thousands of people. Now, here's the thing. The Congressional Budget Office isn't always right. And one of the concerns I have is everything Joe Biden is doing is intending to severely harm our economy to the benefit, quite frankly, the communist Chinese economy. I mean, Joe Biden is communist China's man in the Oval Office. Let's stop kidding ourselves. That's a fact. And what Joe Biden is trying to do with a minimum wage that will affect now all these red states and these communities, and now he wants to devour the suburbs and drag them into metropolitan areas, whether they want to go there or not, all this redistribution of wealth from Republicans and conservatives to liberals and Democrats, all that has an effect. It resonates throughout the economy. But that said, this $1.9 trillion, very little of it, will wind up in your pockets. Very little of it has to do with anything but feather bedding these big, fat public sector unions like the teacher unions and more. You want to hear what else? As an example, 
One example, New York Daily News. Another left-wing rag. Schumer, MTA set for a substantial chunk of $30 billion in COVID relief. The next coronavirus stimulus package will include $30 billion in relief for public transit agencies, and the MTA is on track to get the biggest chunk of that, according to a source close to Schumer, who's pressing to make infrastructure projects key uh, the, uh, in the city a key priority now that Democrats control Congress. So this is more pork barrel. This is more central government. This is more bailing out cities and states. Has nothing to do with the pandemic. This is what these bastards do. $1.9 trillion. That's it, baby. I'm not moving off that. Then you have 10 rhinos who go over to the White House to tell about, we want to work with you. We really want to work with you. We know, we know you're signing executive orders. You want to destroy the judiciary. We know. We know you want to permanently install Democrats. We know, we know, we know. You know. But please, please, can't we be bipartisan? Can't we be bipartisan? We'll agree to $600 billion. $600 billion. It's like an auction. Six hundred billion. I hear seven hundred. Seven hundred. I hear eight hundred. Eight hundred. Nine hundred. How about one trillion? One. One point two trillion. Yeah. Tri- sure. It's all phony money. They don't care. They'll do whatever they want. This has nothing to do with the pandemic. It's like another quarter of a trillion dollars to the teachers unions. For what? Where the hell are they? Look at Chicago. Even the idiot mayor there wants to get those kids back in school. And here's the thing. The children that are hurt most by this are little minority kids, little tiny little elementary school kids who can't go to school. So where are all the liberals? Where are all the Democrats? Where's LeBron James? Where is everybody? They're nowhere. They're frauds. They don't allow school choice because kids who are going to parochial schools and alternative schools, private schools, they're open. Public schools, for the most part, you can't get into them. Why? Why well, we need to change the ventilation system, the HVAC system. We don't like the kind of ceilings. The walls need to be repainted. I, I, I want a vaccine, but the kids have to have a vaccine. I want to be a double vaccine. They had a double vaccine, and then we have... They'll do anything not to work. While you struggle to pay your property taxes. While they have medical care. While they have massive pensions. Oh, the teachers are underpaid. Not the ones who don't work. They're overpaid. And if Joe Biden were a serious statesman, and he's not. He's a complete loser. He would push for legislation where these teachers could have their asses fired. What they're doing to this generation of children, what we are doing to this generation of children, is a sin. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I've only just begun. Stick with us. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I want you to hear some of what's going on in the media today. Those of you who work for a living, you're not watching this, 
and you should uh, thank your lucky stars. You're not watching this. You're not listening to this. And it really is ugly out there. The media are not reporting news. The media are undermining the country. The media are embracing the most radical voices, the most irrational voices. And Adam Kingsinger has turned into a real bozo the clown. He really has. He is uh, on a self-righteous, self-aggrandizing mission. He says to change the Republican Party. Change it to what? To Adam Kingsinger, who stands for almost nothing? Reminds me the, the mentality and attitude of the left. They're the same way. So now he's on MSNBC where he's being praised and they're kind of marching around on their shoulders. And I want you to hear how radical and extreme his propaganda has gotten. It's almost as if he works for the Lincoln Project. But I want you to listen to this. Cut 10, go. You've said that Republicans are in need of an intervention. What exactly do you mean by that? Well, I mean, look at it. You know, we can uh, we, we just have to look at where the Republican Party has come from. You know, the party that freed the slaves, the party that fought for women's suffrage, the party that took down communism and, and had really a clear eyed view of uh, the future of the country and what conservatism could do about giving opportunity to a kid born in the inner city, same as a kid born in the suburbs. The problem is, lately, all we've been talking about is darkness and division. No, 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 no. Well, all we have been talking about is not darkness and division. We've been talking about all those principles, and as a member of Congress, you have not led on a single one of those issues. I looked at your record. You basically have gone along with the establishment Republicans. You've done nothing for school choice. You've done nothing, almost nothing, period. But you're good at telling other people what to do, and you're very good at lecturing. But I want you to listen to this. Go ahead. You know, trying to appeal more to the Proud Boys than to the uh, suburban moms. Trying to appeal more to the Proud Boys than the suburban moms? Is that what you're doing, ladies and gentlemen? Most of you don't even know what the Proud Boys is. I barely know what the hell the Proud Boys is or are who they are. So he's got a talking point now. I've seen this for so many decades. So he goes on a hostile network that hates Republicans. He goes on that network to trash you and to then say that you want to appeal more to the Proud Boys than suburban moms. Hundreds of thousands, if not millions of you listening to this program now are suburban moms. Are suburban moms. So he makes a flat-out lie, makes a provocative statement, because he knows it'll play well. He's gotten tremendously positive press from the the so-called news uh, platforms that you would expect, the Washington Post, Politico. Now he's invited on with Katie Turk. On MSNBC. Really appalling. So now he throws you in with the Proud Boys. What next? Is he going to throw you in with the Klan and the neo-Nazis? Maybe he'll call you domestic terrorists. Which is what they do often on MSNBC. And by the way. 
That doesn't incite anybody. No, no, no. Go ahead. And that's a big problem, not just because of the health of the party. I mean, the health of the party, in my mind, is secondary to the health of the country because the health of the country has suffered. We need two solid, functional parties to have real That's very, very – he's a lightweight is what he is. He's a war hero as I understand it. Great. But as a politician, he's clearly a lightweight. And um, if he had had his way, Hillary Clinton would have been president in 2016. Because he didn't vote for Donald Trump. Because it was just too, too much. So he's a never-Trumper. And he's also very, very dishonest. He was elected to the House of Representatives. It was a very... I looked into this. It was a very busy, crowded Republican primary. He ran in 2010 as a Tea Party Republican. Maybe he ran as a Proud Boy. Did he run as a Proud Boy, Mr. Perdue? I guess that's possible. Maybe he uh, ran as part of the Proud Boys. But he ran as a Tea Party conservative. As soon as he got in there, he, he bent over backwards for Boehner. And he moved into an establishment Republican. And then he goes on about conservative principles. Kingsinger is a fraud. And so he's very much liked by MSNBC, Politico, and the Washington Post. Because frauds in the Republican Party, to them, are righteous individuals. Now we have this guy... Michael Eric Dyson. The fact that this guy can appear, he's a tenured professor on general media with his vicious race talk, his vicious race talk every time, part of this critical race theory stuff, just shows you where we are. Again, this is on MSNBC today. But listen to this. Cut 11, go. The, the Republicans want to make an anagram of vote. They want to veto. They want to veto the right of black people's access to the franchise. So Republicans want to veto the right of black people's access to the franchise? And where is this going on? Because of mail-in voting? I don't know. Is that a black thing? Mail-in voting. Does that only apply to black? No, of course not. It has nothing to do with race. Unless, of course, you're into this critical race theory, then everything has to do with race. Go ahead. Veto Democrats' access to the franchise. And so instead of doing it the old-fashioned way, hey, we lost. Let's work harder. Hey, we lost. Let's deliver a better message. Hey, we lost. Let's not be xenophobic. Hey, we lost. Let's not be racist. Hey, we lost. Let's not be anti-Semitic. And on and on and on. Listen to this clown. Listen to this clown. Anti-Semitic? Racist? Why? Because you want the states to follow the Constitution? But just listen to him. It doesn't matter. He's been doing this for years. He's been doing it in the classroom. He's been doing it in lectures. He's been doing it on, uh, on TV. Go ahead. Is work harder, work smarter, be sharper, be more insightful. Instead of an anagram, hand your man a gram, a telegram, to tell him, get on his job. Okay, Jay, sorry. So the point is that we've got to be, you know, uh, you know, acknowledging here that the effort of the GOP to undermine uh, the, the franchise. So is- now the GOP is undermining the franchise, you see, because questions have been raised about the last election. Questions have been raised about what took place, particularly in four battleground states that the Democrats litigated and intentionally changed. 
Yes, in violation of the federal constitution. Well, you had 60, 80,000 lawsuits. You didn't win. Excuse me, that lawsuit went to the Supreme Court, and they still haven't decided it. Lawsuits have different, uh, a different impetus, a different uh, fact pattern, different legal issues are raised. So stop throwing that number at us like it matters. It means nothing. And the president didn't even bring that lawsuit. Other people did. But that said, now Republicans, you see, are racist, anti-Semitic, xenophobic, and they don't want minorities to vote. Same old crap from the same old crackpots. Go ahead. Another symptom of their paltry ability to imagine a future. Ah, shut up, you idiot. Another idiot. Guy with a PhD, tenure, being subsidized like every other damn professor in this country. Go on and on like a, uh, well, like, like, a, like what goes on, like a Marxist, like a neo-Marxist. I don't know. What do we call people? I don't even know. He knows what he is. Certainly critical race theory, that's for sure. But you see, folks, the problem is you. But they want unity. They're not inciting anything. No, no, no. You're inciting. You're the ones who don't want unity. You just won't go along with these ideologues. You won't go along with the plan. You won't roll over it. That's because of your white systemic racism and your white privilege and the white dominant culture in America. That's why That's why all those minorities are trying to get into America because of systemic white racism and white privilege and, and white dominance. I mean, who thinks like this day in and day out, every minute of the day? Every minute of the day. And we know damn well, not just from statistics, but again, from mobility. People all over the world, regardless of their background, regardless of their faith, regardless of their circumstance, want to come to America. They don't want to go to communist China. They don't want to go to Cuba. They don't want to go to North Korea. They don't want to go to any of these hell holes. And by the way, they don't want to go to any of these third world countries. They're coming to America. Am I allowed to even say that, Mr. Producer? I think I can. This is what's going on on television while you guys are working. This is what's going on on television. It's even worse. And it's day in and day out. In our universities, even virtually. And now it's moving into our elementary schools, our middle schools, our high schools, the 1619 Project. And our saviors, of course, are the Democrats. Because they want to burn the country down and start it all over again. Yeah. They're not committed to the country. They're committed to their party. Again, over and over again. You've got to be thinking of neo-Marxism and Marxism. It's about the party, the party, the party. Not the country. The country can go to hell no matter what they say. That's what they believe. The fairest, most beneficent, most tolerant, most diverse, most open, freest nation on the face of the earth. I said in Liberty and Tyranny, there's something we just have not figured out. We love our liberty. But liberty opens the door to evil, to tyranny. And we haven't quite figured out how to stop tyranny from exploiting liberty. We just haven't quite figured it out. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. 
Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L-E-V-I-N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. At the bottom of the hour... We have one of the president's impeachment lawyers who will be appearing on the program, Bruce Castor, Jr., who signed the brief that was filed today in response to the unconstitutional efforts by the Democrats in the Congress. And we'll be speaking to him in just a few minutes. At least that's what's scheduled. I've looked at the uh, allegations against the president. I've looked at the response to the allegations. And as is typical, the Democrats are throwing emotions Uh, at the public. That's what they hope will convince you. They have apparently movie clips ready to go or video clips ready to go of what happened at the Capitol building. And so they're going to build it up like a movie, like it's a theater, like it's a play, and then blame it all on Donald Trump. And then blame it all on Donald Trump. Everything we've discussed here, which demonstrates it's a lie, that he didn't incite anything, is missing from their argument. Whether it's the reports from the New York Times and the Washington Post, whether it's the timeline, whether it's the recent revelation that the pipe bombs were planted actually the day before or days before. And we can go on and on. And it is my hope that Lindsey Graham will follow through with his threat, that if this is what they do and they want to call witnesses, that Republicans call witnesses, too, and that is uh, Mr. Castor, who will be on the program. Uh, Brian, uh, uh, who's uh, one of the lawyers in this case. I don't know him, but he obviously is very sharp. Bruce Castor, David Schoen. And that, uh, if that's the way they want to do it, then we bring in the former Capitol Hill police chief, who said that he advised the uh, sergeant of arms of both houses to bring in more support, to bring in the National Guard, and that they kind of blew him off. It's important to know what Mitch McConnell knew and what Nancy Pelosi knew. It's important to know what the FBI knew. You know, the FBI at the top levels has been an utter disaster. We have several deaths now of FBI agents who were murdered today. This is what I mean when I say when we condemn the FBI, we condemn the leadership, but we don't condemn these men and women. I know you'll hear Mark Stein say we condemn them all. I do not condemn them all. And I would never condemn them all. That's like condemning all police. Don't condemn all police. Don't condemn all military. That's a big, broad brush. And so uh, 
these men lost their lives today. It was horrific, apparently. Horrific. But the FBI as an institution has been very politically corrupt. And so I would like to know, as a factual matter, what did the director of the FBI know and when did he know it? When did his people know? Because these plans apparently took place well before, well before there was the protest, well before the president spoke, and the Capitol was apparently attacked even before he completed his speech. Speech itself is nothing unusual whatsoever. They challenge the election. He's free to challenge the election. He's free to challenge the election. Al Gore challenged the election. I don't remember him inciting violence. Bernie Sanders constantly trashing America, constantly trashing everything about America. I don't remember anybody accusing him of inciting that nut job who brought a rifle to that baseball field and started shooting up people, including Steve Scalise. So let's get serious here. And so uh, we should have scheduled anyway uh, Mr. Castor on the program in minutes. I hope you'll join us. We'll be right back. Nobody says it better than Mark Levin. I'll go with what Mark Levin said, because nobody could say it better. Call in now at 877-381-3811. Bruce Castor is one of the lead lawyers representing uh, President Trump in this uh, trial sham. Uh, Mr. Castor, how are you, sir? I'm very, very well. Thank you, Mark. Uh, thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. I mean, somebody has to give you a format because most of the media don't even want to hear from you, do they? Well, I don't know, considering I haven't been taking many calls. I haven't had a chance to uh, because it's kind of a compressed time frame. But when I heard that you were on the phone, I said, absolutely, I want to talk to him. Well, thank you, sir. I've read your uh, response. It's, it's uh, really excellent. It is uh, thorough. It's concise and it's substantive which is nothing like what you're probably going to face next week uh, in the Senate from the, uh, from, the Sen- from the House managers. You've raised a number of issues in this response uh, to these, uh, well, it's one charge that's filled with a bunch of mini charges, and you point that out also in this uh, response. Why don't you take it from the top and tell us uh, how you broke this down and how you replied? Well, it was kind of an interesting um... A dilemma to be handed, you know, uh, a, a trial lawyer expects to get a, a, a complaint that uh, has numbered paragraphs with individual allegations that, that uh, he denies or admits or uh, denies in part and admits in part. And what I got was sort of a, uh, a, a, a Louisiana gumbo of, uh, of <laughs> pieces that didn't necessarily fit together. Uh, so I had to break it down into something where I could I could file a response as opposed to a narrative that tried to, I mean, you can't, you can't compare the, uh, the, the Louisiana gumbo stew uh, to uh, a a concisely written series of paragraphs because those two things will never match up. So I had to turn the, the, what the uh, house uh, gave me into individual uh, uh, snippets that uh, I could then, um, either admit, deny, or uh, explain. Uh, so what I did is I cut it down into I think uh, eight. Was it eight um, individual? I, I, the entire, the entire um, 
article of impeachment uh, verbatim, I broke down into eight paragraphs, and then I answered them one through eight, and then I added what the uh, sort of uh, the defenses were that uh, the president would uh, pursue, because I have an obligation, I believe, to put the House managers on notice that not only are their factual averments uh, disastrously poor, uh, but there are a lot of uh, legal responses that make their case uh, particularly untenable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I have to say, I'm so glad that you picked out that that they had put in there that it was a, a mishmash of a lot of little pieces, because as I was writing it, I started to laugh that it was authored in such a way that there was there's no there's no uh, severability clause. Anybody who's ever had a contract knows that that says if any of the clauses of this contract are found to be uh, improper or invalid under the law, the rest of the contract still stands. Well, they didn't put that in there. So if the if any members of the Senate um, decide that any part of the of the allegations are not made out, that means the whole thing is not made out because they did they didn't separate them out. Mm-hmm. So it's really a it was really a rushed job. I'm sure they have very very intelligent and capable lawyers uh, writing these things over in the House. They just didn't have uh, the time to do a to do it the job that I would have expected that I would be answering. I was stunned, frankly. Well, let me let me circle back on some of the specifics here. Number one, you point out that the United States Senate does not have jurisdiction to try a private citizen. Number two, you point out that the way the impeachment clause is written, that somebody still needs to be in office, and they have to be convicted and removed before they can be um, uh, prevented from running or being appointed office again. Obviously, the President of the United States is out of office as a result of his term ending. And so the entire basis for what's taking place here is preposterous. It's never been done to a president of the United States before. And when it was done to a, uh, I believe it was a secretary of war, even then there were people who said, what are we doing here? We can't do this. Um, And then you talk about the precedent that this could set, which would be a disaster. I mean, how far does this go back? Can you start going after uh, George W. Bush or... Or who else can you go after? And they don't even have to be presidents. You also point out in your document that even the Chief Justice of the United States who is compelled by the Constitution to oversee an impeachment trial, he's bowed out. And you know what, uh, Counselor? It would be very interesting to know how he was contacted because I like this phrase, he was invited. It's not a matter of being invited. If it's a legitimate trial of a president, he's not invited. He has to show up. And so I would have loved to have known what took place there, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah I, I didn't use the word invited. That must have come from the Democrats. That came from Schumer. And, yeah. uh, and then I'm you point out. I'm 100% yeah. sure that's accurate. No. And then you point out in your document that uh, they purposely in the House uh, withheld the, uh, the article to bring it to the Senate until after Donald Trump left office at the end of his term in order to ensure that the Chief Justice wouldn't be presiding over the trial. But instead, uh, somebody like Patrick Leahy, <clears throat> who's extremely partisan, has been his whole life, and uh, is anti-Trump, has been from day one, would be sitting in that chair. So the whole thing 
I mean, do they even do this in the in, in these in these in these retrograde countries, uh, Counselor? I, I don't. I can't remember seeing anything like this. No, it really is outrageous. It, it's the it's the creation of a, a a class of citizenship for one person, Donald Trump, and uh, he doesn't enjoy the same rights and privileges of citizenship that everybody else does. He does not have the the First Amendment doesn't apply to him. Due process of law doesn't apply to him. And standard procedural protections like jurisdiction uh, don't apply to him. It's a, it really is a disgraceful, um, the, the mechanisms that are being used. And, you know, everybody would, in the abstract would agree that, that you have – that the person has a right to be, to be heard uh, and a right to counsel, a right to, um, to a due process of law. Um, and yet, in the House of Representatives, you didn't have any of that. You had no, no investigation at all, uh, no opportunity to be heard through counsel, nothing, nothing at all like, like that. Mm-hmm. But the, the crazy thing is, and I, I, think, um, I, I think I have in an earlier draft I had written it and then took it out, but the, um, the, the scenario that the Democrats want the American people to believe is that if Donald Trump was dead, they could still do this. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, you know, that's ridiculous the, could, because the Constitution allows for impeachment uh, in, in cases of, well, in cases of impeachment, it allows for the only penalty, the only, what I wrote in their active penalty, is removal from office. And, and the clause in the Constitution is an and, and um, the prohibition against holding people. Now that was office. a good point. So you that was that was a good point, and uh, and and not only that. Yep, think about it a second, uh, Counselor. There they are, the framers of the Constitution. They're in Philadelphia, five and a half months. They spend about three, three and a half months on this issue of impeachment and the power of the presidency. We have Madison's notes. We have subsequently the Federalist Papers. We even have the. At least the nine states, the convention notes, I've read all this stuff. You won't find a scintilla of support for the position that the Senate of the United States under the Democrats is taking. Not anywhere, not in a state, not at the Constitutional Convention, did they say that you would be able to pursue a president or any civil officer, for that matter, after they left office, what they said was, and under, it's certainly not worth bringing up, but what they said was, you know, you can pursue them through other legal means, but this is it. So the Senate simply, they may not believe this. They don't have the power. They don't have the power to reach into Mar-a-Lago and go after a private citizen for the purpose of trying to politically punish them. You know, they do that in the, they did that in the old Soviet Union. They do that in communist China. In America, there is simply not another example of a president being treated this way. And I want the American people to understand something else you just brought up. The front end of this. You are a prosecutor. I don't know of any case, whether it's a criminal case, a civil case, or a political case, in which the target of that political body doesn't even want to hear from the target. Doesn't even, doesn't even allow a, a process from which the tar- in which the target can hear. And maybe they'll say to you, Counselor, well, look, he was almost out. We had, a, we had a hurry. But then they held back the article, and they waited. Well, 
it, there, there's something more along that. The, the argument that you see over and over, and it's stated with such pomposity and piety, is that, uh, well, he, just because he's coming to the end of his term, this would allow presidents to do anything they want with impunity. That's hogwash. They could be arrested, prosecuted, mm-hmm. sent to prison. All the things that anybody else could be done, uh, could be held uh, accountable uh, for doing, is still there. It, you know, it's not like it's not like the president could go and and commit a whole bunch of criminal offenses and then he uh, makes it to January 20th and his term is over and all of a sudden it goes away. What happened? What goes away is the ability to remove him from office because the political process has already done that. I'll tell you what else is amazing to me. You listen to that speech and you mentioned this in the document. You, you watch that speech. It was really almost a typical Trump speech. And uh, there's nothing in there that incites anybody to do anything. We know from the New York Times and the Washington Post that there were plots underway well before that protest took place. And if you look at the New York Times timeline, and others have pointed this out, the attack on the Capitol occurred 20 minutes before he finished. We also now know from a Washington Post piece that those pipe bombs were planted at least 24 hours before the protest took place. So all this information that actually comes out from the press, you know, they, they, they grudgingly have to put it out there. The Democrats aren't, aren't, going to, uh, aren't going to raise this in any significant way at all. This is a railroad well, job. You know, just before I got on the air, um, I, I saw that Nancy Pelosi wants to, wants to um, call a 911-like commission to study uh, what happened uh, and, and the facts and circumstances of the riot. Well, that's what she should have been doing when she was investigating it, you know, before the uh, the impeachment. So even the Democrats now realize that, hey, you know what? Uh, we don't really know what happened. And well, you, you said in a sworn document that's now part of the annals of American history that it was President Trump that did this. So I guess President Trump somehow uh, uh, solicited the bombs to be planted and mm-hmm. the uh, and the conspiracy to develop uh in secret uh, behind closed doors before he even spoke. I mean, he's a pretty powerful fellow, but I didn't know that he was clairvoyant. And the commander-in-chief, if he really wanted to lead an insurrection, you pointed out, and I've been talking about this, would he send a couple of hundred of knuckleheads, uh, a couple of hundred of, uh, of hoodlums into the Capitol building, or would he order uh, one branch of the military in there? This is so ridiculous, the narrative that they have created. I mean... That's not an insurrection. What that is, is a violent riot that needed to be put down and eventually was put down, which raises another question, Counselor. Why didn't Congress prepare for this? You have the chief of the Capitol Police saying he went to the sergeant arms in the House, reports to Pelosi, went to the sergeant arms in the Senate, reports to McConnell, said we need the National Guard, we need more support here. Uh, Nothing happened. The mayor didn't call in the National Guard or ask for the National Guard. They were concerned about the optics. The FBI was apparently aware of this information from the NYPD and their, their field office in Norfolk, Virginia, because the New York Times got a hold of the memorandum. The Terrorism Task Force was alerted to this, we're told, by one of the FBI agents in Washington, D.C. This is just public knowledge. And what did they do? They knew a hell of a lot more than the president of the United States that was that potentially could be taking place, didn't they? Well, 
you're getting beyond what my uh, mandate is. I, I'm I'll answer uh, my question. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, you're from Montgomery yeah. County, Pennsylvania, correct? Yes, that's right. I'm from Montgomery County, Pennsylvania. Did you know that? No, I did not. Where? where? Elkins Park, Cheltenham Township. I grew up in Baderwood. You grew up in Baderwood. Whole country might as well hear this. Now, I don't mean to offend. How old are you? 59. Oh, you're younger than I am. Okay. I also went to Temple University in North Philly and in Ambler. And I was elected to the Cheltenham School Board when I was in law school. See how close this is? And by the way, you couldn't get elected commissioner of Montgomery County today if your life depended on it. It's gone heavy the other way, sir. It's pretty bad. It's yeah. pretty bad. Now, since you know the geography there, I actually lived across the Jenkintown line into Abington, but I, I, um, I lived uh, where Noble train station is and up the hill. Listen, I know where all so this is. Going... My, parents, my parents had a little retail store on Old York Road called the, uh, the Ming Tree, where they sold uh, furniture and a few other things. And, uh, eat I down know and exactly where it was. Across from the exactly movie theater. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, now the whole country knows about us. How about that, Counselor? <laughs> all right. Anyway, place to grow up. I want to thank you uh, for what you're doing. I want to wish you all the best next week, and, uh, and God bless you, sir. Take care. Thank you, and thank you for having me on the program. My pleasure. Good man. You can sound how earnest he is, hear how earnest he is and how, uh, and how competent he'll be. Bruce Castor. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Now, Stacey Abrams wants to run for governor of Georgia in two years, Mr. Producer. So I think we should do to her and her party what they've done to us and our party, don't you? And we should pour in as much money, as many resources, and as much personnel as is humanly possible to defeat her. She hasn't conceded yet. But she's not inciting anything, of course. We should bring our best litigators into Georgia and figure out ways to litigate that help the Republicans. So we've got to make a case too, right? So uh, Stacey Abrams should be one of several who are treated to the Democrat Party treatment. Litigate, change the laws, enormous resources, 
Some of the money that's unidentified, they call it dark money. Do whatever we have to do. And defeat Stacey Abrams. And she's not the only one. We're going to look all over the country. We're going to look all over the country. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin, our number, 877 We hope to take some calls near the latter part of this hour, assuming they're good ones there. Well, the uh, Republican establishment is rising up in defense of their friend Liz Cheney. Carl Rove was just on Fox, and he said, we need more people like Liz Cheney. Mitch McConnell was praising the hell out of Liz Cheney. Remember what Liz Cheney did. She was one of ten Republicans to vote to impeach Donald Trump, meaning six days or seven days before he was leaving office, she voted to have him convicted in the, in the Senate and removed and banned forever from public office. Yes. And accused him in the worst way of inciting this insurrection. No hearing, no evidence, and she proffered none. No witnesses. Nothing. Is that what a great republic does to a president? Has anybody ever discussed it that way? And so the people of Wyoming are rising up against her. The Republicans of Wyoming are rising up against her. But just like the battle against the Tea Party, the Bushies and the McConnellites and the Washington-centric big government Republicans will stand with Liz Cheney and the other nine Republicans who voted to impeach their own president without any evidence whatsoever, based on emotion and projections and, and the media mob. This is why you cannot stand the Republican Party in Washington, D.C., in the establishment. And I don't blame you. I don't blame you for a minute. Mitch McConnell is very vocal now because he just won his re-election. So he figures he can do whatever the hell he wants for the next six years. That's the way he's always governed. The last year, he's more conservative, he's more concerned, he watches his words... But now he's a tough guy, you see. Now he's a tough guy. I don't know what's wrong with the Republicans in the Senate. I have no idea. 
But this guy's been their leader, quote-unquote, for 13 or 14 years. He's the longest-serving Republican leader in the history of the U.S. Senate. Is he really that good, ladies and gentlemen? The guy can't even communicate to the American people. He always sounds like he has his face in a bowl of chicken soup. He's incapable of communicating. That he's power-hungry. He's power-hungry, and he's very vicious and brutal behind the scenes and in the shadows against senators whom he believes have stepped out of line. Have you noticed something? Have you noticed you are treated worse than an illegal alien coming into this country? I'll, I'll even go further. Have you noticed you are treated worse by these people than the so-called president of China, than the so-called president of North Korea, they would never talk about these people the way they talk about you. The reason Liz Cheney should not be in Republican leadership, and the reason why there's a rebellion in the state of of Wyoming, is because what she did was unconscionable. Absolutely unconscionable. When you sit down and look at the facts, and when more and more facts come out, It's appalling what Liz Cheney did. And it's appalling that we have mouthpieces like Karl Rove and Mitch McConnell telling the people of Wyoming that we need more people like Liz Cheney. Why? No, 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 no. We need more people like Devin Nunes and Jim Jordan. We need more people like Mike Lee and Ted Cruz. And names I can't remember. I'm not going through the whole list. We need more people like that. Not more people like Liz Cheney or Carl Rove or Mitch McConnell or any of them. Been around forever, ever, ever, ever. We need new leadership in the Senate. Mitch McConnell always blames somebody else when he doesn't have a majority. He blamed the Tea Party. In 2010, because we were backing too many extremists, he said. Actually, many of the candidates were lost were his guys. They had a massive victory in the House, over 60 seats. They won several seats in the Senate, but Mitch McConnell blamed the Tea Party movement because he couldn't be majority leader. Mitch McConnell blames Donald Trump for the losses in Georgia. He doesn't blame himself. He runs the National Republican Senatorial Committee. He runs that staff. He runs the lawyers there. He had tens of millions of dollars. No, 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 but that's Trump's fault that they lost. Tea Party in 2010, Trump's fault now. The fact is, Mitch McConnell is ineffective in communicating with the American people. He's not a genius parliamentarian. The Democrats are always running circles around this guy. It's Harry Reid who handed us the judiciary, because Harry Reid's an idiot. Harry Reid, who began the precedent of using the filibuster. It was Harry Reid who then began the precedent of eliminating the filibuster when it comes to judicial nominees. That doesn't take a genius to take advantage of that. It was handed to McConnell. 
But what else has he done? Is the country in a better position as a result of McConnell being the Republican leader in the Senate? Of course not. That guy has sat there. He's atrophying. The point is, there are other people who've been in the Senate maybe 20 years. Maybe 14 years. Maybe three years. Maybe whatever it is. They ought to have a chance to lead the Republican Party in the Senate. Not this guy. Really, the longest-serving Republican leader in the Senate? Liz Cheney, we need more Liz Cheney, says Karl Rove. The great Karl Rove, he and Bush lost the Senate in 2006. They were handed the House majority. They were handed the Senate majority. Not kind of spectacular tacticians. Nonsense. But here we go again. Many of the same people who were involved in the Tea Party movement, and if you're, you were young enough, many of the p- same people who were involved in the Reagan Revolution and the Tea Party movement became involved in the Trump movement, maybe early on were backing different candidates like me or Ted Cruz or so forth, but moved over to Trump. Because there were a lot of strengths and a lot of issues. And again, like with Reagan and the Tea Party and with Trump, challenges to the entrenched, disconnected Republican establishment in Washington, D.C. And we expected them to do something. McConnell's not going to do something. Just trying to hold on. As I said the other day, Well, we have 53 seats in the Senate, and they have 47. Somehow they're able to run circles around us. Now, I know the fools at the Wall Street Journal editorial page and the other fools out there who've been in Washington even longer than some of these politicians. They'll come to McConnell's defense. Oh, we've never seen him. This guy's unbelievable. (laughs) What a joke. What a joke. As you know, I was a big supporter of Liz Cheney's. And then it became obvious over time that she was not a big supporter of yours or mine. And I don't mean personally. Donald Trump's duking it out with the Medes, duking it out with Pelosi's, duking it out with Schumer. And they're undermining him. Like this fool Kingsinger. Kingsinger's no leader, he's no statesman. Well, he served in the military. I don't care where he served. He's not in the military now. He's in Washington. He's in politics now. He's working with the other side. Yes. The other side. And the other side wants to destroy the, uh, the defining principles of this country. They don't make any bones about it. He should be jumping up and down now about Biden's executive orders. He's not. He should be jumping up and down about the substance of Biden's executive orders. He's not. Well, why isn't he? Because he's too busy taking a bow on MSNBC and Politico and Washington Post. Well, he's a victim now, a righteous victim, of course. But one day they'll roll him up and throw him away the way they do all these Republicans. Because they hate him, too. They're just using him. He's too stupid to know it.
but you're in Republican leadership. You got voted the number three leader in the Republican Party in the House. And you turn on your caucus. You turn on your voters back in Wyoming. Because you think you're more righteous and you know more than they do. Liz Cheney didn't know more than any of us. She only knew what she read. She only knew what she heard. And she didn't care. She accused the president in no uncertain terms and in very vicious terms of inciting the insurrection, inciting the violence. He knew it. He did it. And hence he needs to be impeached. I don't know of any other forum where that sort of thing is done. Even in the House it was never done before. They've created this horrific precedent in the House of Representatives. The Democrats and these ten Republicans. That you can impeach a president for anything. You don't need any information. You don't need any substance. You don't need any evidence. Just do it. I know because Andy McCarthy said so, I think. Didn't he, Mr. Producer? Oh, yes, it's a political process. No, it's not. It's a constitutional process. Obviously, politics has a play in it. But that's not what the framers said. Oh, it's a political process. You can do whatever you want. That's not what it says. We don't think like liberals here. There's tradition. There's precedent. There's also the text. There's the history of the debates. We know it all. I challenge them. Liz Cheney. Carl Rove, Mitch McConnell, McCarthy, and every single one of them, I challenge every one of them to show me any evidence of any kind from the Constitutional Convention to any of the ratification conventions to the exact language in the impeachment clause. Show me, show me, show me where this is legitimate, where the Senate has jurisdiction to do this. Show me. One uttered word in all the debates that went on for months. Show me. Otherwise, you're just blowing it out your butt. It's what you want or what you theorize. But that's not how you and I look at the Constitution or separation of powers. That's not how we do things around here. We are not result-oriented. I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S.
Great piece in the American Spectator, as is typical of its author, David Catrone. The use of the word democracy in H.R. 1 is a Trojan horse for Democrat control. We've talked about this. If you peruse the various polls that purported to measure voter priorities during the run-up to the recent election, you'll find no mention of structural democracy reform. Nonetheless, that nebulous yet unnerving abstraction is the stated objective of the flagship legislation offered by the House Democrat majority in January. H.R. 1, the phony For the People Act of 2021, was introduced by Representative John Sarbanes. You know, he's the kid of the former senator. That's how it works. Ostensibly as a response to the rampant voter suppression, quote-unquote, experienced by Americans in 2020. Did you know about that? Now, if this seems an odd claim to make about an election that produced the highest turnout since 1900, it isn't the only problematic feature of this 800-page bill. It can hardly be a response to that election. It all is but identical to the For the People Act of 2019. Died in the Senate, was opposed by a diverse group of people, uh, including the ACLU and the Republican leadership, among others. Think about how truly awful this legislation must be to get the ACLU and Mitch McConnell to sing the same tune. Beginning with election security, it would prohibit states from enforcing voter ID laws and make it all but impossible to remove ineligible voters from the registration rolls. It would require states to provide automatic registration by virtually all agencies with which their residents interact and mandate online registration for everyone 16 years of age or older. You read that right. H.R. 1 would require states to preemptively register 16- and 17-year-olds to get their names on voter rolls before they reach 18. It would also mandate uh, the metastasis of mail-in voting by requiring states to provide prepaid postage on mail-in ballots and restrict the use of signature matching for verification. Now, the ACLU doesn't have any objection to that. Uh, They vehemently object to the requirement that politically active groups, including tax-exempt 501c4 groups, like the ACLU, disclose the names of their donors. So in other words, they want to threaten and intimidate donors. H.R. 1 would, for example, eliminate state control over reapportionment. At present, the legislatures of most states dominate this process. Republicans control more than 60% of those bodies. This is why you have heard so much Democrat whining about Extreme gerrymandering. A number of red states, including Texas and Florida, are expected to gain one or more House seats, even a multiple blue, even as multiple blue states, including California and Illinois, expected to lose seats. So H.R. 1 would mandate that, quote, nonpartisan, unquote, redistricting commissions take over reapportionment. It's a transparent attempt by House Democrats to protect their razor-thin shrinking majority. They've done all of this in California. H.R. 1 would also redesign the six-member Federal Election Commission, converting it to a five-member body, two Republicans, two Democrats, and one Independent. So obviously, this would turn a structurally bipartisan entity into a rubber stamp for the President's party. The FEC administrators' federal campaign funding, it's no coincidence that it's to be reassigned in the bill. And this note by no means exhausts the list of bad ideas contained in the For the People Act of 2021. The general gist is this. Reforming democracy requires stripping the states of their constitutionally mandated role in determining the times, places, and manner of holding elections. 
ignoring the warners of senior warnings of senior statement a statesman against mail-in voting restricting first amendment rights and a bunch of other horribles this is a fascist bill it must not pass AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. He's driving the media mad. Mark Levin, call in with your outrage. 877-381-3811. It's a pleasure to have on the program Claudia Tenney from New York District 22, who should be the congresswoman from this district. But in this godforsaken state of New York, look, I got my start on WABC in New York City. I'm talking about the Democrats and what they've done to that state. Poor Claudia is waiting and waiting and fighting and fighting to take her rightful place in the House of Representatives. Claudia Tenney, how are you? Great. How are you? I am okay. Thank you for having me on. Well, tell I'm the world. I'm in purgatory right now. Election process purgatory. It's been 91 days since Election Day, and we have not been certified as the winner, even though every legal vote has been counted and the judge is every order has been complied with. And in a, a last-minute attempt yesterday in court, the Perkins Coie law firm, Mark Elias, the famous creators of the Phony Steel dossier, decided, oh, I don't think that we can seat her now. We can't certify because what would happen if we seated her and then all of a sudden we couldn't take her out? So we're going to have to continue this day. Why, why in the world don't Republicans have their equivalent of this uh, sleazeball, Mark Elias? It's unbelievable well, to me. <laughs> Because I don't think we're as sleazy as they are. Well, but maybe we need, we need to be. To ha- we, we, we need to be. We need some really aggressive lawyers. I think he's got some amazing record of 62 to 1 because he's diabolical and completely driven and focused on disrupting election law. And let me point out something really important to your audience. While everybody is screaming and name-calling all of the people like you and me who had legitimate concerns about the presidential race presided over by Mark Elias from Perkins Coie, who said, oh, no, shut this down. You know, you complain. That means that uh, you're a conspiracy theorist or you're you're in, in, in your complaints, you're undermining our elections. And yet here I am 91 days later. And the Democrats under Mark Elias are continuing to complain and, and talking about we just need to keep going at this. We have every legal vote could possibly be counted. The judge actually ruled in court, in court, in open court on ballots. 
We we there's no stone. Well, what's he burned. waiting for? I he I think he is uh, you know waiting. Is he elected or appointed? This is it. Is, is he elected, elected or appointed? State Supreme Court, State Supreme Court justice. Which is the lowest court in New York? Well, it's the highest trial level. My dad was the Supreme Court justice in this judicial district for 35 years, and this would have been done probably November, early November, had my dad been doing it. Well, let me but try it, it this way: really, Is this guy a Democrat or a Republican? He is a Democrat. And there's no way to appeal. You have, you're stuck there. Well, that's what we're trying to do. We're we're we that's we're exhausting our legal remedies, and we're going to pursue this. I mean, there's no basis. There's no legal basis. To not certify I me, mean, the judge issued an order and said, upon completion, we are going to certify all eight counties. Once they complete their canvas, the canvas was completed yesterday. Perkins Coie put in another loop in this and said, and, and this is incredible, this quote, I thought it was one of the best quotes from Perkins Coie. It is irreparable harm if Ms. Tenney is seated instead of Mr. Brindisi. Well, it is to them. Now, yeah, exactly. But I mean, let, let me quote uh, President yeah. Obama. Elections have consequences. And the voters chose me, albeit it's a narrow margin, but the voters chose me. It's an irreparable harm that our, our citizens and our community and our district have no representative mm-hmm. in the House of Representatives right now to vote. And part of this is let's look at Nancy Pelosi's very narrow margin. You know, me getting in there, you know, narrows that as people are kind of peeling off and heading into the Biden administration. But again, you were talking about this earlier on your show, which is phenomenal. The biggest problem that we as Republicans face is H.R. 1, is the manipulation of the election system, which is what happened in New York, which is why my case, uh, a close race, showed why the Democrats are able to manipulate this. And Andrew Cuomo has initiated so many of these election law, uh, new laws, uh, irregularities by creating executive orders. And then, of course, one party rule in New York state. They've, they've confirmed some of these, but he's created a, an administrative nightmare for our boards of elections who are tasked under the New York State Constitution. It's really important, actually, uh, and it was, it was to the creators of New York State, an original colony, when you look at it constitutionally. The, the most important thing, Article 1, is the Bill of Rights. The number two issue is suffrage, the right to vote, and the importance of maintaining integrity in our voter rolls and maintaining the integrity with our boards of elections who are tasked to maintain the integrity. What the Democrats have done is blurred all these lines. We have this motor voter law where you go into the board of elections and they register voters, and those, ele- those voters can be someone that's 16. You can be a, you know, a green card holder, a, a, legal cit- a, a non-citizen legal resident. You can be an illegal immigrant. You can register to vote, and it's up to the board now to make a final ruling on whether that vote counts. But these people can often go and vote. You have a right to vote under these Democratic statutes. And, we, and it's very hard to uncanvas them. And that's happening all across the country. And that's what's going on in New York, you know, along with vote harvesting. No uh, request absentee ballots where they put on uh, Governor Cuomo created an online portal where there was no verification as required by New York's Constitution, which says, that you have to verify signatures, you have to verify your identity before you request at least an absentee ballot. All you needed was a name and address and a a date of birth. Every Democrat, Republican operative has all that election information and can use that and order ballots and and engage in vote harvesting potentially that we could never stop. All right, let me me, me jump in for a second. They've taken a rational, secure voting system and they have destroyed it. 
And now they want to nationalize what they've done in New York and what they've done in California and have started to do in Pennsylvania and some of these battleground states and impose it nationwide. This Perkins Cooey law firm was involved in the dossier. This guy, Mark Elias, was kind of the bag man between the Hillary Clinton campaign and the and ultimately the dossier. Uh, he was uh, Harry Reid's right-hand uh, litigator hitman. He is the Democrat Party go-to. It's not because he's so smart. It's not because he's so good. It's because he, for some reason, the Republicans don't notice what he's doing, don't get there before he gets there, and don't go toe-to-toe with him with their best you know, and strongest minds. And so this guy's got, he can run the table. And this is what's been going on. But you raise a very important point, among others, which is the whole discussion that went on after the general election was that Donald Trump would not accept his fate. He would not, he kept challenging and challenging and challenging. Here you have, in the microcosm, your district, your case, it's the opposite the Democrats are arguing. Let me ask you this, Claudia Tenney, have CNN, MSNBC, the New York Times, Washington Post come to you and said, wow, they really ought to stop. I mean, this litigation is ridiculous. They're inciting people. They're undermining the system. Has anyone done that with you? Not on the left. Only uh, Fox and uh, Newsmax and, uh, and conservative radio shows. But what about the ones either. I mentioned? None of them, right? None. No one has come to us. In fact, they're probably thinking it's okay. We've got to count all the votes, right? Unless you're a Republican, and especially if you're a Trump supporter, we don't need to count all the votes. But I want to point out something really important to your listeners that people need to understand that's really going to be dangerous about H.R. 1 that was added to the prior H.R. 1, which my far-left Democratic opponent, who masqueraded as a moderate, uh, tried to tell everybody he voted for and co-sponsored the first version. This second version, version that Nancy Pelosi has put out requires registration of voters, that important act under our New York law, under our New York Constitution, to be handled by colleges and universities in our district. I have 11 colleges and universities. So they're going to be handling this very important uh, function of making sure that our voter rolls have integrity and that that voters are are who they say they are and everyone gets the the right to vote just once. I mean, this is the kind of craziness, but I agree. We need uh, very strong lawyers and people to get into this now. Republicans can spend millions of dollars on all these nice ads and, and persuasive ads. We need to move over to the process side. We need to start focusing on We need to get into the foxholes. Exactly. The Democrats win by process, not by policy. And we need to do both, and we need to be better than they are at it. And my case is a perfect example And I would be happy to talk to anyone about what is wrong and how we can fix it. I'm also an attorney. I've been, you know, this has been a nightmare for us from a legal point of view. view. But we can win this if we fight it. We just need good lawyers out there and aggressive lawyers. We have to be aggressive. You know, in a way, it's too bad because I think you'd be the perfect person to take this this, uh, jerk on, this uh, this Mark Elias, having experienced what you've experienced. I may in my future. <laughs> That's one thing. And I will help you. I may in the future. Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, we've got to do this because if the Republicans, you can spend all day. I mean, look at look at how this election went. Mm-hmm. You know, Biden stayed in his basement. My opponent never went door to door. We went to thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of doors. We did tens of thousands of phone calls. They did nothing. And yet they were able to harvest votes and get the votes. In. They got the votes and what they managed to do, instead of getting their voters out, which is a perpetual problem for the Democrats, they brought the votes 
to the voters at their homes and got them there. They never had to go to the polls. Not only they never had to campaign. And that's exactly, I think, how how the, the presidential race was decided as well. We need to be ready for this in 2022 and also in the next presidential race. Or well, you, you're uh, you're terrific. I could not agree with you more. I really appreciate your guts and you fighting this battle. Tell America, what, what counties are in your district? Uh, well, I am actually in upstate New York. I live across the street from the house I grew up in. So I actually live in my former, the former owner of this was our former congressman many, many years ago. Hmm. Uh, so I live in New Hartford, New York, but we have Oneida, Oswego, Herkimer, home of Remington Arms, by the way. Uh, uh, we also have uh, Madison County, where my, my grandparents are from, and uh, which is a great county and named after a great patriot. Uh, we also have uh, Cortland County, Shenango County, which is where our family business is. It's been there since 1946. And uh, Broome County and a little bit of Tioga. Broome County is where Binghamton is, uh, found, where IBM was founded and now is virtually down to nothing. Are, are you near Democratic uh, policies? Is your district border on Stefanik's district? Yeah, I share uh, Herkimer County with her on that side. Uh, so, yes, yeah, she's been great. And uh, it's been uh, it's, it's a it's a struggle. And I wanted I, I heard you say something earlier. And I, one thing I want to mention, because I wanna, I've got two minutes, I, you did it. Let me give you quickly. You did a great speech at CPAC and you got out there and a lot of Republicans are dejected. A lot of conservatives are dejected about their leadership, about where we're going and fighting the fight and their vote not counting. My race shows our vote counts. People need to get out and vote. You did a great speech at CPAC, and you talked about Thomas Paine's, uh, you know, sunshine patriots and summer mm-hmm. soldiers. We cannot afford to be that now. They are counting on us not to vote and not to get out. We need to get out. It's a, it, this is a clarion call. Um, please, if anyone wants to talk to me about it, it's ClaudiaForCongress.com, or you can reach me there, or Claudia at ClaudiaForCongress.com. I'd love to hear from our patriots out there. We cannot quit right now, or they will win. And we—they smell blood in the water right now. And I feel like we—this is the time more than ever that we need to fight. And uh, and I really—I I, just—I love your show. You do a great job. You have great guests. And uh, we just need—we need, we need to, to have more and more people really understand how important it is to get involved. It's not always pretty, but again, we need more, we need people that are going to go into the trenches. Not—we don't need any more sunshine All patriots right. and summer soldiers. You're uh, you're terrific. I'm going to bring you back if you don't mind. And, uh, and Absolutely, th- any yeah. time. And I want to thank you. Keep up the fight. If people want to help you, because I'm sure this is costing a lot of money, and I don't have social sites anymore, where do they go? It's ClaudiaForCongress.com, and it's ClaudiaForCongress.com. The only Claudia so far ever elected to Congress, so it's easy to remember. And uh, we are, we would, uh, the support would be great. Uh, but, you know, more importantly, I really want to see people get out there. If you're willing to volunteer, help, understand, get involved in this election process, make sure that we don't, that HR1 does not get passed. All right. uh, we've, you know, it's dangerous. I mean, we really need to fight. I'm going to have to go. I hate to end this. But uh, thank you for what you're doing. God bless you, my friend. Uh, God bless and appreciate it. All right. We'll be right back. Mark in. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. 
More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. you downloaded my podcast you don't have to listen to the podcast you can listen to me on am and fm radio you can listen to me on satellite radio you can stream the show but have it in your back pocket so to speak just in case have it on your system do me a favor let's do it this way levinites patriots do me a favor and i think in the end it'll be a favor to you too so you never lose me So you never lose this show, no matter where you are, no matter where I am, no matter what happens. I want you to do this. I want you to go to the mothership. This is my website, marklevinshow.com. You'll be at the homepage. Click on Audio Rewind. It's in the middle of the top of the homepage. Audio Rewind. Just click it. It'll take you to the podcast page. Then pick whatever podcast platform you want. Stitcher, Apple, Google, pick whatever you want. Click it and download the app. And now you'll be set for the Mark Levin Show podcast. In many ways, this is the future, so I really want you to have it. You don't need to read between the lines. I'm telling you straight out. I want you to have the Mark Levin Show podcast on your phones, on whatever system you want to put it on. Just have it ready. You never know. No, I'm not scared. I'm not threatening. There's nothing to wear. Just do it, please. Look, all of a sudden, we're not on Twitter and Facebook because I resigned them, right? We moved everybody over to Parler, right? Parler came under attack, and they were eviscerated. Parler is coming back. I happen to know that for a fact. But you never know in this business what the hell's going to happen. So download my podcast, all right? Make it your mission tonight. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. And we will see you tomorrow. Come hell or high water. God bless and be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.